Thank you. You may be seated. You know, we're coming to a beautiful space in our service this morning where we're going to ordain Katrina and Roger. And those of you who don't know Katrina and Roger, or Roger and Katrina, as I should say, uh, I'm trying, Roger. Because I have all daughters. So it's like Jillian, Andrew, Jessica and Evan. You know, I have all daughters. And so I have to get used to saying Roger and Katrina. Anyway, Roger and Katrina. For honouring you. I'm honouring you this morning. And you deserve honour because just to give you a tiny bit of background before we step into this, Roger has been years in the kingdom, building the kingdom. Originally in Jesus Television with Phil Pringle, he was behind all of that, producing and behind all of Jesus Television. I've been years in the church, sowing into the kingdom. And there came a time where God asked him and his former wife, who is with Jesus right now, thank you, Karen. There was, came a time where he said to them, I want you to go to a little place called Foster and look after a church there. And here they obeyed God and up they went. And he's pastored there in C3 Foster for a number of years. And, um, and God was faithful. In the meantime, in the meantime, there was this woman named Katrina. And I think nearly 16 years ago, um, the Lord caused her to come to one of our meetings, which was in a tent out on the land because we didn't have a building yet. There's a ladies' meeting, and she brought her daughter along because she wanted her daughter to have some inner healing, and she knew that's where God was moving to bring inner healing for people. And she came along, and as soon as I saw her, and I just knew that there was a, a bond that God was causing between her and me, a friendship between her and our church that was significant. It wasn't long later that we asked her to come on staff. <laughs> and we've never done that again ask someone out there to come on stuff. Ever done it again or before? But we knew it was a God thing. It was just a God-ordained thing. And she came on staff. And look, you know, she was called, you know, the, the secretary, I guess. That's what you call her. But in the, in, in the spiritual realm, she, was, she has been for all that time. We 15 and a half years on staff, 15 and a half years on staff. She's been a spiritual mum in our house. She's been a spiritual mum to many of us, huh? Put up your hand if she spent long hours on the phone with you, had coffees with you, been to your house, been to visit you in hospital. I mean, she didn't just answer phones and take notes, for goodness sake. She was doing pastoral care work the whole time. Amen. Hours and hours outside of what we could ever pay her. Hours and hours outside of what we could pay her. Just sowed herself. She prayed. She prayed. She, she's put up your hand if you've received prayer ministry or deliverance or inner healing from Katrina's ministry. Amen. There they are. They're all there. Me too. I put my hand up too. She's been faithful to all of us. She's been a dear friend to our family. And there came a time where, 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 you know, Katrina's alone all this time. She's crying herself to sleep, you know, like, God, I'm just going to be alone forever. And is there a future for me or whatever? In the meantime, Roger's alone because his beautiful wife has gone to heaven. He's pastoring a church alone. And he's saying, oh, God, maybe it's the time. Maybe time, enough time has passed that I, I don't want to live alone. I don't want to be alone. In the meantime, God was speaking to five different pastors from Sydney right up to Coffs, I think. 
From Sydney up to Coffs Harbour, five different pastors were getting words from the Lord that we should introduce them. Now, it wasn't manipulation, although I've done that. <laughs> I have done it, I confess. I love, I love matchmaking people. Uh, so if you're in this room today, uh, you know, and you're single, I'm working on it. <laughs> matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, you know, that kind of thing. It's Jewish culture. Um, anyway, and so, yes, and so God told me to keep my mouth shut, and I had kept my mouth shut for a year and a half. Kept my mouth shut. I knew that Roger was for Katrina, and Katrina was for Roger, but I kept my mouth shut. He needed to heal. God needed to prepare him. You know, the family needed to heal. All that needed to happen. Anyway, so one day I get this phone call after five different pastors have sort of suggested something should happen. I get a phone call from Roger. Hi, this is Roger Beard. Um, You know me, don't you? I said, of course I know you, Roger. How are you? He said, I've got something to talk about you of a romantic, romantic subject. I think he said, of a romantic nature. I went, gosh, lucky I know what you're talking about. (laughs) You know? It's like, well, um... (laughs) and he said I've met so many people now and it's been confirmed again and again about this Katrina that's in your church and I was just wondering what I should do next and I said oh look I'll call Katrina I'll see if I'm allowed to give you her phone number of course I'm going to you know (laughs) of course oh it's about time in the meantime one week before God had opened my mouth and said, you can tell Katrina. I said, Katrina, I think there's a man coming into your life. And she said, don't say another word. I had a dream and I saw this man in a red jumper and he had a beard. Roger Beard. I went, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm not telling you anything else, just be ready. And of course, then I, I rang her and said, this, this guy wants to call you. And she goes, sure. They, it was in the middle of COVID. They had to date online, which I think was a really good thing. And they, of course, they fell in love. Of course, it was, it was all by God. So we left them alone to just work it out and say, wherever God puts you as a couple, we're releasing Katrina to you, Roger. You know, like a mum and dad do. It's like, you'd let go. We're releasing this woman to you, even though it would kill us if she leaves us. But we're going to release it to you and uh, just have six months off and see what God says. So they did. And we were holding our breath the whole time. It was like, oh, Roger, please make the choice. And, um, but I never prayed about it once because, again, I don't manipulate. And any, anyway, we got the, they came and saw us six months later and said, you know what, this is our house. This is our home. We want to come here. We want to support you in the ministry. We want to hold your arms up. And we really want to do pastoral care. We want to look after all the sheep and make sure all the sheep's needs are met. And we said, hallelujah, that's exactly what you're going to do. And we're just going to release them into that role today as we commission them. Thank you, Pastor Phil. Yeah. (laughs) All right. That's fantastic. Well, I'll get you to join with me. Um, Wow, we've got a few visitors today. That is fantastic. All right. Well, let's keep it moving because I have a great uh, message. But what a great story. What a a great story. I, I love that. And yes, apparently... Um, we, we, we are, not apparently, but we will um, ordain you. And, and this is a, more of an in-house. Uh, this can happen in a, a regional meeting, not a regional, but a national meeting. But uh, for us, this is an in-house pastoring. 
um, and it is so, uh, certainly a serious um, occasion. So I'm going to re uh, just recite some words, and uh, of course you'll agree. But I believe, you know, your great-grandfather and great-mother-grandmother, uh, they would be very blessed to know that you're receiving this uh, special uh, ordination. And I believe there's some very special stained glass in, in a Gosford church um, that, that is there by, by reason of your great-grandfather in particular, who was a minister in his own right. So, yes, let's give it up for Roger and Katrina. Come on out, guys. Yes. Um, please take photos, uh, take any photos, move around, and uh, thanks for, for coming and joining with them, um, family of Roger and Katrina, I believe you have a, a banquet uh, at, at, at the end of this, so that table was, man, seating for, I don't know how many, but it was, yes, a lot of people. Uh, Katrina, uh, you again um, have just done such an exemplary uh, not job, but ministry uh, work of blessing our people for since 2007, basically, I think it was, when you stumbled into our, our tent. And so I do, uh, again, in front of all you, you people, and I've had a very heartfelt uh, dinner at someone's house where I got triggered to really get emotional about this, and I won't get triggered right now, but I did, with sincerity and with tears in my eyes, I did say, thank God for you, and thank God that you've um, come into this, this, uh, this family, and, and you have prayed for my family, and you've prayed for so many people in this church who you are still in connection with, even though they've left. And Roger, you mighty man of God, I just know that you are such a valuable asset to more valuable than sitting up in that lovely house up in Foster, overlooking the golf course and the ocean uh, by yourselves. And I did have to drop in just a little hint that maybe this was great when you retire further down the line, but at the moment you guys are too valuable of a kingdom asset to be just residing up there. Uh, Katrina just painting her days away and Roger in the end, uh, twiddling his uh, thumbs, uh, yeah, so I did just say something very minute about that, but I knew it was entirely up to you guys to decide where you were to be, and like uh, Julie said, we, we did sort of wish that you would come back and uh, be part of this outstanding family, and so uh, the pastoral nature of ministry is real, it is um, it is looking out over the people. Uh, it is like a sheepdog rounding up the sheep when they get on the back paddocks of life, straying from God, straying from all the good intentions that God has for them. And you do that so brilliantly, Katrina. And Roger, you are such a gifted teacher and such a great role model. You had a men's meeting yesterday morning, which was outstanding, I believe. So... Uh, you are a point man, you point the way, I believe you will point the way for many men, many people, families included, and Katrina, you just love the heart, uh, you know, of, of the mother, the mothering aspect of women, and, and, and just so much you are able to do, by the grace of God, which is a real gift. Uh, we all hope that people do these uh, roles because they're gifted. So on that note, uh, it is pastoral care pastors we're talking about, and on this moment right now, I want to declare 
just some words over them that typify basically what this occasion means. And I say this from sincerity, from my heart, and but with faith. So uh, I, I've got to just say this, a few little things, and we're actually not going to do the big clunky one, which is very religious, that would happen to you in the national gathering. But I, want, I do want to say this in accordance with the constitutional standards and the privileges of see-through movement, I, I declare these things. Will you faithfully lead God's people in celebrating the presence of the living Lord as they gather around word and spirit? Will you faithfully care for God's people, welcoming the stranger and binding up the brokenhearted, loving, loving them as does the good shepherd to whom they belong? The Bible calls the pastoral office a noble thing. Given all else, given all else it says about pastoring, we, we also know it is to be a weighty thing. So while the occasion this day is a celebration, in a sense of your training and maturity, while it is a joyful occasion, we also know you all feel the weightiness of it all. We commend to you a ministry worthy of his name because we believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God has equipped you both for it. Amen? We charge you before God to commit these things, the faithful ministry of the word and prayer, so that your ministry may be fulfilled by the grace of God. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit to preach, teach, and lead and minister by the word of the Spirit. Be ready in season and out of season to care, to love, and pastor the people in your care. And the saints say, Amen. There's a scripture for you I have. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Julie, can you just join me right at this moment? And I want to declare this over you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Bible says, and it is upon you both, because He hath anointed me, anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is the scripture I think I was trying to tell you rather than what I said to you in that occasion when I looked you both in the eyes and said, guys, there is so much bang for buck in your lives for Jesus. And what I was trying to say by that, I know that's a bit crude, but what I was trying to say, you are too valuable to be retiring just yet to a lovely retreat. And what a lovely house that was, by the way. <laughs> I actually was covenanting it for my retirement days myself. <laughs> Acts 20, 24 says, My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you and anoint you and uh, ordain you, commission you to do what you do best 
lead the people of God to greener pastures, to the safe shores of Jesus. From the storms of life, those ones who have shipwrecked and sandbanked and Father, I anoint you, Katrina. I anoint you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Roger, to be equipped, trained, and anointed to reach out to the so many people out there that are hurting and the so many people that just need God with skin on. Jesus, thank you for the heart of this woman. Thank you for the anointing upon her life to reach out to be so generous in your heart of hearts, Roger and Katrina, is an absolute gift that you have to receive the love of God that you have, I know, and to be able to give that love away is an absolute blessing and it is a noble work that you desire to do. Yeah, come on out, up the front here, guys. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure that uh, in those crowd of witnesses that your grandfather's looking down maybe yeah. and just so pleased of uh, your efforts all the years when you were in that lonely office for so many years, faithfully serving God, you could have actually just went AWOL or got, got frustrated with God and said, I'll work this out myself. Well, a lot of people do that, but you didn't. You served God. And you sought the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the Bible says, and he gives all these things unto us, including a wonderful husband and a wonderful wife, Roger. And we bless you both with this, uh, these certificates. They're just a formal, but they do mean something because right now you are pastors and I would like everyone to call them pastors. So Katrina, Katrina, that is yours. Bless you, bless you. Awesome. And Roger, thank you so much, sir, for stepping up again after so much heartache and so much, well, you know, we bless you, sir. Bless him. Bless you, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, God. Give them a hand clap, everyone. Oh, yes. They need to say something. So, just so everybody's clear, this is a pastoral, uh, pastoral care. Pastors, doesn't mean we're retiring, everyone. Okay? Don't get all confused. They're part of our team. They're pastoral care pastors. They're going to actually hold our arms up and we're so grateful to have them as strength alongside of us because we care about every single one of you and those that will come and those that are out there we care so much but who knows that no one man no one woman can do it we're the army of God together and we all do our part amen so just tell us a little bit about what you see as far as your role goes and what what have we been talking about what are you dreaming about we're dreaming that people will actually come closer 
If you actually see yourself at the back of the church, we just, our desire is to actually see you come closer. If you're at the front of the church, we want to see you come closer, come closer and come deeper. Yeah. You know, when we're, we've been called to be baptized in the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that is, I think that's all about being fully immersed, fully in to what the Father has for us. To be fully into his family, to be fully into his home, feeling that you belong. Belonging, so important. And then that we are completely immersed in Jesus, in his life and everything that he's done for us. You know, the Bible says that we have been crucified with Christ. You think, what? What's that all about? That is laying our lives down, just like Jesus, he laid his life down for us, that we can actually lay our lives down for others. And wouldn't that be wonderful if we all did that for one another? So it's not just about us being empowered. This is about our role is that you can discover what God has done for you, that you can go deeper. And of course, we get immersed in the Holy Spirit. And God has called us into a place where we actually receive gifts from the Holy Spirit and fruit from the Holy Spirit. And our heart is that every single person in this church, they have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that is a a transformed character that we have the very mind of Christ, we actually have the nature of God within us. And our God is a loving, kind, heavenly Father, you know, and we're called to actually live a life like that and minister to those around about them having a pure spirit. Because what spirit we've got? We've got the very spirit of God. So we're fully immersed. So if every single person, every one of you, can move closer and deeper into those revelations... Wow, this house will be just a sweet-smelling place. It is already, but even sweeter, and more and more people will come. Katrina, you want to share your heart with us? I just want to say that I love you all. And when I first came into the tent, I remember standing up the front of the church and being introduced as the new PA or the new secretary. And I just looked across the faces and I said to the Lord, you're going to have to give me supernatural love for these people because I don't know them. And that's exactly what he's done. And I look across and I see all the people that I've spoken to and that I've shared with and that God's given me words for. And I love you all. And we want to continue to share that and share the love and share and help you to grow into a place where you can reach out and you can love others and you can be completely filled with his spirit. So good. So we're going to do connect groups. We're going to really sow into connect groups, into home groups, into connection, really getting, like yesterday, you know, you had a connect group for men and you had 17 men turn up. That's, that's a big connect group. God wants to do amazing things. We've got plans, haven't we, to do ladies' ministry nights and courses and we want to do so much and so many connect groups we want to put connect groups right across the coast so you can meet in each other's houses and encourage one another and looking after new christians and feeding the babies feeding the lambs come on how big is the list i don't know but anyway god has got them in jesus name amen so father we just bless them again and we just thank you father that your hand is mightily upon them and everything they need for this season is already inside of them. And we thank you, Father, that there is, this is a place where they can just let it out and pour out your love on the multitudes. With the bread and the fishes that they have, you will multiply it 
and you'll raise teams up to be with them and support them and to, to go out and do the work of the ministry in Jesus' name. Amen? All the saints say? You want to say one more thing? She wants to say Sorry, one, one more, more thing. thing. In the front of your um, seats, there's a little blue form and it's a welcome form. So if you would like to be in a connect group, uh, yeah, that's Frank's got it right there. Just fill that out and pop it up at the desk and we'll get in contact with you and, and put you in a group and work out how we can um, connect us all together. Yeah, so once again, it's got a QR code on it. You can QR code it, fill in your information, say, yes, I'd like to be in a connect group. This is the area that I live and uh, we can connect that up. Amen? Because yep. we all want, you know, it's a, you don't want to get such a big church that we don't know each other. We want to break it down so we really get everybody is known, everybody is seen, we hear everybody's story because you're all important in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's just give them another hand. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet and welcome our pastor as he preaches the word of God to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's hit the road running, let's pray, and uh, that was a special occasion, but we needed to take very good consideration of, of that. Look at the youth, we've got a youth group again, give them a hand clap. The ebbs and flows of youth groups, they grow up, they fly away, they grow up again, and uh, yes, it's wonderful. Father, we come before you, we uh, thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is moving across the earth. Who's tracking with that? And uh, yes, thank you, Lord, for that too. Um, I, I just need to now probably try and condense this a little bit, but I do want to give something for the saints, and I do want to give glory to what God is doing uh, on, on the earth, and so, Lord, help me. Uh, do that in Jesus' name. I want to declare the drought is over. Yeah. Say the drought is over. And there is a sense which is quite amazing because I do sense that God is preparing the church for a great awakening. Great awakenings happened in the sense, not just in the church, revivals in the church waking up the sleepy Christians that begin to pray again and encounter the power of God. That's what revival is, because who knows there's power in living a Christian life. It's not just dutiful religious uh, lifestyle. The, the spirit-filled church, so the Greek Orthodox, we have the Greek Orthodox, we love them, and, and the Catholic church, and we love them, uh, and then the evangelical church, the word, the word, the word, and we love them, Billy Graham, the word, the word, and then the spirit-filled church, which is our, us, and the day of Pentecost, they were all together, and boom, the Holy Spirit came and animated, animated those people, and they, 120 diehard believers, believing that God, Jesus, what he said was true, because he said, wait till you receive the power from on high. Wait till you're clothed with power. Don't even try and have a, a church service, a connect group. Don't even try and pastor before you receive the power from on high. And what was he talking about? He was talking about the enablement of the Holy Spirit, which allows you to you know, deal with your personality types. If you're, if you're an introvert, he allows you to get past that a little bit. And if you're boisterous and loud, he gets you to ta taper that down a bit. And then you become what? You become a representative of Jesus. Amen? 
you become a voice, you become the hands and the feet for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Only God could recreate you. Only God could create. You know, Bob Dylan said, I lived in a one-horse town in Minnesota. I was going nowhere, and I have no legacy of any greatness in my family. But I knew in 1959 or something, I knew I was born for greatness. Andrew, that's your thing, born for great. I was born to spread a message, to articulate a message, and he did that brilliant. And he's been, he has been ordained with the greatest, he's been a recipient of the greatest prizes of uh, literature and so forth. And not for his singing, but for his, <laughs> but for his, his words. Amen. Although his voice tells a story, and uh, you can have the most pitch perfect voice and you listen to them sometimes on x factor and that and you go yeah i hear what you're saying but i can't hear what you're really saying i'm I'm not getting the soul of you i'm not getting the message it's pitch perfect and unfortunately that is a real dilemma where people become mimics uh, and and people just you know wanting fame so much that i shouldn't go here but they use singing on false terms. I'll just pull up there. I'm going. <laughs> anyway, I want to use some words that are, that are not too kind. Uh, many have heard that the revival has broken out in Asbury University on the 8th of Feb in Kentucky, US. This is a, an establishment. This is a college. Um, this is a university, university and uh, a Bible college, basically. And they were doing chapel Uh, A dozen students lingered around an ordinary uh, morning chapel service, and they began to worship and pray uh, for one another. And, of course, it began to continue, and a whole bunch of them came back. The story is Zach. He walked up, and he said, Zach is back. Just no charismatic, no charisma. It's not a guy that's pumped up on ego. He's just a student. And he comes out, he's got a message, it's from his heart. And, uh, but certainly it wasn't sensational or hype. And he spoke a message. He felt he really blew the message. He rang his wife and said, I really blew that. But from that, uh, Zach, the young speaker, exhorted the students to do this uh, out of, I think it was Romans uh, chapter 12. He said, become the love of God by experiencing the love of God. That was the essence of his message. And closed the prayer asking God to revive us by his love. And if you look at Romans 12, and I recommend you do, you can see a lot of sentiments and a lot of reality checks concerning that in that portion of Scripture. This is where the church uh, is its best, when it has been, when it has been healed, transformed, baptized in the love of God, and we become this expression like Jesus. We become this visible, real, genuine, again, not trumped up by anything else, but we become a caring kind, which I just think Katrina and Roger do so well in this regard. They're kind, they're gentle, and of course, they're like the fathers and the mothers of the faith. You truly are. And this is what I believe the young people are looking for. They're not looking for bells and whistles, smoke machines, big screens, skinny jeans. I tried not to wear my skinny jeans this morning. 
uh, but they are looking. They've had that, they've gone, the millennials were a bit enamored with that, Gen X were, but now the Gen Zs, uh, Gen Zs, Gen Zs are going, you know what, we can do without that. Can we, can we have God now? Can we have Jesus? Uh, can, we, can we have the visible, tangible presence of the, you know? And, and, and so that is what's happened at this university. And I know a lot of people may, may have not even heard about this phenomena that's happened. So please excuse me, I am very excited for what Jesus is doing, all right? I'd like to downplay this and make it very sensible what's happening, but uni students have been pulled up in their studies, the professors are going, but it's a move of God. I mean, one professor says, yeah, but we've got to get them back to work. They're on course. Come on, what do we do? do? But there's a good team behind it. They're making good choices. They've moved it off-site, the revival, and they're trying to get some of the students back happening, doing their studies. But the move of God is still happening. According to the students, as they stayed and prayed, an unexplained, unexplained surreal peace, and I believe the world is looking for peace like no time ever before. It's so chaotic, there's existential drama all around, him, all around us, affecting our time, our space, our substance. It's affecting our whole life. And people know it. And that's why people are living in that semi-anxious state. Do you know what I'm saying? And some people are truly just triggered. And they're just like on a, on a hot tin roof. They just, they just can't get a piece in the whole day. And I have a heart for those people to be reconciled to God, to receive that surreal peace. Who has that? Who, who wants, who, who, you know, when you see people anxious ridden like that, and it's real, I do have a heart. And it's happening in the young generation, in the Gen Zs, the millennials. They have, they're realizing at a very young age, the world isn't right. I grew up in an age in the, in the 60s, early 60s, when really the most incredible event that happened that shattered my world when I got dragged in off the street was JFK was shot and the president was shot. What? I mean, I'm about four years of age. I mean, this is, uh, this is amazing. But then, anyway, it, it can, the world news can affect our children and, and cause them to be destabilized even in, and that's why, you need the love of God. You need the peace of God. Amen. They're saying this, that they're feeling the surreal peace. And it descended upon the room, the actual room. And many started to return to the meeting to worship and pray. And many people traveled to be in this auditorium of 1,500 um, flip seats, uh, wooden seats that flipped. They're not comfortable seats. They're crammed in there. They're hungering for God. And, um, but it all came about, just a few people hanging around. There was no technology, modern technology, uh, no heightened atmosphere, no hype. They simply began to pray, and they were singing and reading and proclaiming truth. And there was preaching, yes, but personal testimonies and uh, public confessions. Some of the youth got up and said, you know, I have been slack, I have been backslidden. I have been living in compromise. I have been practicing vices. And that truly is part of revival. Do you know what I'm saying? They talked about some of the more mature ones said that there was a sweet presence, a deep peace, a, or quiet, heavy presence of God. 
and a sense of awe prevailing. Wow. It is if heaven opened up over that geographical place called the Asbury College University. And people traveled and wanted to feel it and touch it and, you know. And to this day, I mean, we can start. Did you put some photos just to help the people? Yeah, put them up. Keep reeling them through while I just... This scripture I'm about to read, uh, Psalm 85, verse, uh, let's go from verse 1. I need to read the whole lot, actually, the the whole Psalm 85, and it's talking about, it's a prayer of revival and restoration, and it's talking about the Israelis returning back from captivity, and there's a sense in humanity that we're being taken captive by the systems of the earth. We call it the Babylonian system, call it the governmental system or the the powers-to-be systems, the global issue and the globalism issue and stuff. We feel like that we are being taken captive. It's real. and, And I know a lot of people are affected by this. But then we have this psalm which is in view of God's people being released from captivity and with gratitude and and there's favor, sentiments of favor and restoration and and that's what we're feeling right now that God, one person said, one person said, it's as if God is wanting to help us. (laughs) Isn't that a novel thought? (laughs) Are you trying to help us right now, Lord? Are you trying to help me preach this message within eight minutes? <laughs> I hope you are, Lord. It's as if God... Now, this is, this is a, a, a theologian, a very articulate man that could extrapolate a lot of good reasoning of what's happening, but he says this. It's as if God is wanting to help us. Because we are in a massive dilemma on this planet. Lord, all right, we tried science. We tried to worship that and didn't work. We're realizing now every day. Anyway, I won't go there. And uh, so I've got to dodge a lot of... Uh, and and we, we tried to worship intellectualism. And that was good for a while. That got us the industrial age and... and um, and God is great literature and medicine and architecture. We realize that, Lord. We're clever people. We're made in your image, meaning that we're creative like you. We have moral, we have moral uh, compass in, inside us. We want to do the right thing. We desire to do the right thing. But what we see in our society is, what? You really want to do that to your body? You really want to do that and live like that? No, something ain't right. Now, you can be out of God, you can be out of the church, but at least you should realize how you're born. Anyway, so, uh, you know what I mean? You should realize that, you know, you, you, you want a family and have kids. And, 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 and we have intelligence. We're made in His image. We have intelligence. And that's what we're worshiping in a sense. We're in... in we're worshiping this intelligent view of life. We can sort this. We just need to, we just need to, need a word, need a word. We just need to reset. 
build back better. We need to reset things. That's a, that's a great word, reset. When I play golf and I have a disaster on one hole, uh, I, 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 I use that. I use that. I actually get, reset, suck it up, go again. It's a great philosophical view. But to take it to the nth degree to say reset away from God's terms, away from God's plans, away from who God is, this is the quandary we're in and this is the sentiments of this psalm. You, Lord, showed me favor. Okay, Psalm 85 verse 1. You, Lord, showed me favor to your land. That's how we feel right now. And restored the fortunes of the church, of the people of God. We, nothing much was happening. There was, I mean, the Iranian church. There's a great underground church in Iran, and there's, there's stuff happening in the Philippines. Did you see the photos up there? Did you see that? And all over the world, there's stuff happening. And these are the sentiments. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You, you forgave the iniquity of the people and covered all their sin, which is a great thing to become. Come up out of the condemnation and out of the, um, the shame of, of life, which you've allowed yourself to be encumbered by. It's a beautiful thing when you come to Jesus and you give your life to the Lord and he cleanses you, body, soul, and spirit, and you feel like you can hold your head up to the Lord and lift your hands and maybe say, God, dear Lord God, I thank you for life and I thank you I'm back on track now. And I'm hoping we can say about this great nation one day, verse 2, you forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sin. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again. That's our heart cry. Restore us again. It was a beautiful thing to be a kid in the 60s. You would go to, down to the beach, uh, down to the creek. We lived on the edge of Sydney. And uh, you'd go to the bush and, uh, you know, there was carp in the creek. You could swim in the creek. But then by the 70s, the creek started to get contaminated, corrupt. I'm not going in that creek. <laughs> the carp disappeared. The bulldozers came in. We lose our innocence. Lord, we want our innocence back. Come on, we want our innocence back. 85 verse 4, and this is our heart cry through the saints and through the church. Restore us again, God, our Savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. Is he really happy the way humanity is going at the moment, really? Is he? he he's so, ah, it's like a frustrated father and mother. And there's only so much you can do. We have a free will. And he lets us do our own thing to our peril. God, if you're such a good God, why would you let that person do that, destroy themselves? Because we have free will. You have free will. Restore us again. God, our Savior, put away the displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? I hope not. I have grandkids, nine grandkids. Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation the most wonderful gift that you can have in life and, and be able to give away to someone is salvation. People are crying out for it. You can do it yourself. Look them in the eye with all sincerity and with an appeal in your eye saying, that can be dealt with, that vice, that issue can be dealt with if you give your life to Jesus, if you make him Lord of your whole life. Don't become religious. I'm not talking about 
carrying around a big black Bible and becoming religious. I'm talking about getting born again. Your spirit joined with God's spirit. You are body and you are soul, mind, will, emotions. Your soul is your mind, will, emotions. And you are spirit. Your spirit is crying out to worship the living God. Not the color bond roof that you have or the fancy car you have or the record collection that you have, that I had in the 70s. 700 albums, collector's albums. When I got radically saved in the early 80s, the Lord said, that's an idol. No one told me, but I got rid of all the albums. And that was an idol that had to come down in my life. This cost, it's a cost that we know that we have to pay sometimes to dislodge an idol from our life. Verse 8, you're doing well? You're okay? Will you not revive us? I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people. We want peace for our kids. We want peace in the classrooms. When I went into Wild High School in 1996, I went in there really brave, fully equipped, because I'd been in juvenile justice looking after men criminals for six years I knew how to handle wayward behavior rebellion I even knew how to deal with the spirit of murder just yelling at me in, in my face I said to this guy he's yelling at me spirit of murder he was in there for murder and he said I want that phone call now and I want it now he's in my face all the 30 kids in the dormitory are looking at me it's the showdown <laughs> of the youth worker and the boys. We're sending our best in. Go get him. You will give me a phone call. You'll give it to me right now because he'd been on bad behavior and I wasn't going to give him a phone call. Somehow, by the Spirit of the Lord, I was immovable. My hair was going back. <laughs> I had longer hair then. <laughs> But with tranquility in my eyes, a calmness in my spirit, I said, Jamie, I said to you once, I said to you twice, you're not getting a phone call. And he just shrank and withered away. But that was a spirit. That was not just a, a person. I'm not talking about a confrontation with a person. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that come and take occupancy even in people. Even in the most strangest places, schools, unis, daycare centers. Anyway, sorry, I digress. <laughs> I digress. Oh, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. And I believe he's near to all the Australians right now. I believe there is a, three things people ask through each huge upheavals in society wars and pandemics I'm talking about three questions psychologists say that people ask in these big upheavals in life where was the government what did that do for us how did that hold up how did that protect us how did that preserve us where was my philosophy in life how did that go but where was God where was the church maybe where was my Christian friend when I was having a burnout through COVID, when I was found myself isolated, trapped in my own home. 
These are the questions our Aussie friends are asking. And to be honest, they know the government ultimately can't help. And they know their philosophy, you know, she be right, mate, philosophy, didn't work. And they know, I do believe they know that God is there, but was help forthcoming, let's just say that. Love and faithfulness meet together. Thank you, it does. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. I'm reading from verse 10. 11, faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness, righteousness looks down from heaven. You're looking down from heaven. Can you feel him looking down from heaven? He might be looking down, right down right down upon Asbury University and the other universities where he's broken out. But I, 21, there's probably more, but I believe with all sincerity in my heart, I believe he's looking out upon this church and has been for a number of months. He's here. There is a move of God's spirit here. I'm not going to... I'm not going to sensationalize it. That's one thing we've learned. We're not going to go full tilt, go zealous. We're going to respectfully receive every time we gather that which God has prepared for us to have every morning and every day because He is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh, upon our sons and daughters. It's begun. The great revival has begun. All right, just one other point, just one other point. The Lord, okay, this is it. Faithful springs pour forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good. God is a good God. One of the facets of the glory of God that shall come down and cover the earth, the glory, one of the facets of the glory is the goodness of God. So what do we have in the glory if it comes down in your midst? God's greatness, God's goodness, God's signs and wonders, God's presence, and God's judgment. If you bring your stuff to the altar, he will bring judgment on that thing and say, this does not belong on my child. I vanquish it, I break it off now through my people who are praying right now for them. So when we lay hands on you, expect deliverance, expect breakthrough, expect the enemy to be vanquished by the power of the Spirit. That's why I read the scripture. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's anointed you to preach good news. He has anointed you. And the anointing breaks the yoke. If you humbly submit to God by coming to this altar for any issue, for any issue, come to the altar, please. Nothing is too little to come to the altar for. Stand, do the prayer yourself. But if you want hands laid on you, praise God. Hands and the anointing and the transference of the anointing can happen. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. Can you honestly see your friends being saved? 
Are you getting the, are you getting, you've been with this guy. We had this guy turning up at our Christmas parties. He was invited. Julie's family is very close. They extended family, 35 people at the Christmas party at Lambie Heights. Every year, we would go down to a very nice house. We had a big Christmas Day occasion, uh, but there was always ring-ins. But there was one guy there that was always drunk, and he was just there, eh, party. And uh, go, God, this guy's spoiling this sanctified environment. Man, you know, at least, at least when our relays get drunk, they, they do it in style. <laughs> They're North Shore people, they, they know how to do that. <laughs> sorry, I'm not looking at anyone here right now. There's got a lot of North Shore people in the house, sorry. Uh, but this guy, he was young, he was invigorated, and he was drunk. And after a few years, it did bother me, you know, that he was giving this, uh, you know, just this negative taint to our perceived sanctity of life (laughs) for some reason and I'm always good at reaching out I think and witnessing I never witnessed to that guy I just thought he was too far gone right about five years later we're in a (laughs) I think the Lord's getting me (laughs) five years later or so (laughs) I do feel a bit inebriated, actually, in the spirit. In the spirit, for the record, for the tape. Um, (laughs) I haven't been drinking the sherry. We don't do sherry for communion. (laughs) I was in a revival meeting, and on the stage was a big band, and on the percussion was this young man banging away on these tall congos. And I'm looking at him... Did you, you recognize that guy up there in this full-blown revival meeting? We're pressing, we wish, da-da-da, big themes of revival, big anthems of praise. And I'm, going, I'm looking through the haze of my mindset, and I'm, I'm thinking, that guy, I, oh, my God, it's Michael. <laughs> He's in the band. He can't possibly be saved. They mu- he must be a professional musician. They've hired him in. I went up to him and said, Michael, what are you doing? What happened? He said, what do you mean? I'm saved. I got saved five years ago. What happened? He said, someone witnessed to me. I went, oh. (laughs) When? How? You're always drunk. No, he said, and then, and then someone dropped in a large sum of money in my letterbox to go to Bible college. I've been at C3 Bible College for two years. I was so shattered. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, great news. Awesome. I thought you were going to get saved. <laughs> All right, let me finish off by saying this. The last of that psalm does say, Faithful springs pour forth from the earth and righteousness looks down. We can have some music if we want. The Lord will indeed give what is good. I didn't get to preach my message, but is that cool what I've given? Is that all right? (laughs) The Lord will indeed give. The Lord will indeed give. Our loved ones, our extended family. I'm reaching out to my cousin in England. I'm starting to work with her. And uh, she lives in Oxfordshire. Oxfordshire. She was married to a professor and... And, I'm, and she's starting to ask me questions. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. What is this talking about? 
This is souls being saved. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. That is the conclusion of one tiny part of the message. <laughs> Let's all stand. God bless you. You've been here and been gracious. Father, I thank you for your spirit that's moving. I hope you've gotten the gist of what's happening worldwide. There's a move of God's spirit. People that are revived encounter God in his power, his love, his glory. Father, we come before you. But first, before I go on anywhere with eyes closed, I want to pray for anyone who may feel that they're not quite right with God, that you may, if something were to happen, you're not sure if you were to go to be, in, to be with God, Jesus, in heaven. I want to pray for you. It's a short prayer. But the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's so easy. It's so simple. But you must believe like a little child that Jesus is Lord, that he was the Son of God, that he hung on the cross for your sin and mine. And for all the corruption we see, for all the chaos, Jesus paid a great price and he can bring healing. He can bring light out of darkness. He can bring order out of chaos. Just like in the beginning when he said, let there be light and with creative power. And that's why the word of God is so, so important to us because it's like the two-edged sword. It's the word that God spoke. That's one side. But when we speak it, it's a two-edged sword to cut down the enemy's plans off your family, off your marriage, off your health, off your business, off your children, off your suburb. Jesus, I recognize I'm made in your Father's image. I've been given intelligence. I've been given morality a sense of what's right and wrong. I've been given creativity, Lord. And I've been given this life to live out. The Bible says the chief aim of life is to give glory to God. Lord, I desire to give you glory all the days of my life from here on in. I don't care how old you are, you can give glory on the last day of your life. If that's you, if you desire to give glory by walking out your steps and your days and your hours in the presence of the living God under an open heaven, I would love for you to agree to this prayer. We're going to all say it together. I'm not talking about joining a church or becoming religious. I'm talking about a living, breathing intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus who is the lover of your soul he says there's more he says the drought is over my spirit is moving I want to touch you bless you anoint you fill you with my spirit so that you can go out and do the same to others in your life so with that let's all say this prayer together this is a prayer of a commitment to the Lord Jesus And you can recite it after me. Father God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he walked the earth, performed miracles, died on the cross for my sin, rose on the third day 
lives at the right hand of the Father, praying for me, interceding for me, looking down upon me. Jesus, forgive me if I've ignored you, betrayed you, turned my back on you. I look to you as the way, the truth, and the life. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Set me free. Come to live in my heart. Empower me with your spirit to live boldly, courageously for you in this hour. I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm bound for heaven. But in the meantime, Lord, bless me all the days of my life to be a representative of you, to give you glory. And the saints say, amen. God bless you guys. If you said that prayer, if you said that prayer for the first time, second time, just lift your hands up quickly. Just I need to see those hands. Yes, great. Any, any others in the, in, the, in the presence of the Lord? Yes. Yes. All right. Please see the information desk. We have a gift for you. Let's sing and let's worship just for a moment. One minute of worship.